off and on. So, well, we're doing a series called Now Matters Later, and um, I think they've been really good. And um, so we kind of made this series a while ago and had different topics, and John then was like, hey, do you want to do the um, light and momentary affliction one? <laughs> I'm like, sure, I'll do the one. That's all depressing and down. So actually, I think probably I'm one of the better ones of us because I tend to be like the wet blanket in the room. You know, everybody's all happy, clappy, and I'm like, no, we're in affliction. <laughs> so <laughs> I have lots to talk about. So anyway, um, we're talking about light and momentary affliction. And, um, you know, here we are again in a world of distress and unrest and real pain. I feel like, okay, yeah, okay, I kind of got used to, you know, how crazy the world is and then something happens. I'm like, shoot, I have to get used to some more craziness. And I don't know, I'm sure we all have been feeling that way. So um, I also want to say, you know, everybody has their own story, their own level of affliction, and we're not here to, like, compare you know, one's worse than the other, but I think we've all have lived enough to have some sort of affliction happen in our life. So um, let's just dive in and talk about the verse that um, instigated this message. It's found in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, and it's, uh, or 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So it's like, oh yeah, that's great, you know, yay eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Like, yeah, that sounds wonderful. But then I'm like, wait, what's this light affliction? <laughs> I don't think I like that. You know, there are things in the Bible where like, I don't think I like that. I'm just going to like pass over it, pretend it's not there. So, um, so we're talking about how do we respond when there's affliction, when there's difficulty? Um, you know, don't ask me how to do it. We're here to follow Jesus, right? We're here to figure out life by looking at Jesus. Um, so we're going to read a passage, and we're going to look at how the disciples responded to affliction and then how Jesus responded to affliction. And then we'll come back to, like, all the good and happy news about this eternal weight of glory thing. So um, let's read in Matthew 26 um, a story about this excruciating time that Jesus was in before he was crucified, something none of us have ever gone through, but sometimes it feels like, you know, death and, you know, what we're going through. So um, let's read together. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and that actually means oil press. Yay. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Like, when we're in times of affliction, like, it feels like we're in that press, right? And then what's inside of us comes out. And ugh, that's not too pretty, right? At least for me. Okay. And said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. 
Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Okay, so we're going to talk about the disciples' response to affliction. And I think it's interesting, in Luke it says they're sleepy with sorrow. So you kind of read this and you realize, I don't think these people are having a good time up there, you know. Things don't seem so good for them. Actually, earlier that day, Jesus had been telling them, you all will betray me. You're all going to fall away. And then, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And also that night, Jesus, like, gave away, described his body as, like, a sacrificial lamb. So, like, this is really weird. What? You know, Jesus is saying all these negative things to the disciples, and um, the bad news just kept coming all day long. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that when driving around Manhattan. Have you noticed there's, like, road construction everywhere. I feel like it's bad news everywhere I turn. Like, no, I c I'll go this way, and then suddenly the road's torn up. I'm like, what happened? So I have to, like, turn that way and then that way, and I feel like, gosh, it was like that for the disciples. Like, I have to navigate this. I don't know. It's bad news all the time. So they're up there, and you can just feel the despondency, like the depressed spirit, it, you know, the gloom and doom and like, there's no hope, there's no courage, like, they're just sleepy with sorrow. And don't you know, like, depression does that. You know, I know for me, like, when I get down and depressed, like, I'm sleepy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I have no energy, I have no zest for life, no creative ideas, I just kind of want to, like, be sleepy and down and, like, you know, I kind of like my, like, sleepiness and my sadness. Um, so, depression does that. Also, I thought it was curious what Jesus said, to watch and pray that you don't enter in temptation, which I thought was a really curious statement. Like, they're up on the mountaintop. Like, it's nighttime. There's nothing there. Like, what are they going to be tempted with, you know? There's nothing up there. And I think, you know, when things are looking down, when we're in affliction, um, when life doesn't happen how we want it to, we get tired. It seems really dark out there. We're afraid. And in that state of mind, we're tempted to do a lot of things. I know I am. I'm tempted to reject Jesus. I'm tempted to abandon him. I'm tempted to go to other things for comfort instead of God. And, you know, again, I'm tempted to live in my sadness forever. So there are a lot of things, you know, when things don't go how we want, when we're in affliction, it's just easy to stay in that darkness. So 
So we looked at how the disciples reacted to affliction. So now let's see how Jesus responded to his affliction. Um, so first of all, he couldn't really rely on his friends, right? They're all asleep. You know, <laughs> and they're in their own, like, gloom, you know, th like, their plans for Jesus really aren't coming to fruition, like, he's supposed to be the king who usurps power from the Romans, and, like, he's talking about, you know, death and betrayal and, you know, so um, they're having their own issues over there, so Jesus needs his friends, and it's good they're there, you know, supporting him to some degree, um, but, like, they can't really give him all that he needs, you know, um, and I think that's true for us, you know, when we go through affliction, it's good to have friends with us, we need our friends, but really, they're not going to totally give us what we need, you know, to some degree, they can, it's good, we need that support, obviously, um, but, you know, during certain times, like, they just can't do that, and they're not going to fully understand what you're going through, um, but God can. So friends are good. We need them, but they're not going to understand totally. So how did Jesus respond? Um, I love how he first says, my father. And I remember like a, a couple months ago, that kind of seemed like the only prayer I could say, like our father, our father. Like this world is driving me crazy. I don't know what to think. So I'm just going to say, my father, and that kind of lifts me a little bit. So Jesus first goes to his father, our father, your father, my father. He's having an honest conversation with the person who knows him deeply and who can be relied on. And I love this about Jesus. He's expressing his deep emotions. Like, he's not just, oh, you know, the stoic Jesus in, like, old Bibles who's, like, has his vacuous blue eyes. You know, not somebody who really cares but that's not the Jesus at all that we see here. He's like writhing in deep emotion and pain. And his cry is, I don't want to do this, but I'm willing to do your will. And he's grieved and distressed and keeps going back to the issue in his heart. We see like three times he goes to a distance, he falls on his face, he's just crying out, like, not my will, but yours. And I love this about Jesus because it's like he's continually going to that place of his, in his heart multiple times. And it's not just like, oh, you pray once and then everything's fine. It doesn't work that way, you know. And Jesus really had to get to the place in, in his heart where he, you know, had to keep praying that. Um, you know, something in us, like when we wrestle and participate and keep praying and, you know, like Jesus, like keep kind of going to God when we're in that affliction, there's something that shifts in our hearts um, when we hang in there and talk to our Father about the affliction we're going through, um, the pain that we're going through. Like I know for me, when I like resist the assignment God has given me, that's like the hardest part like that resistance, like, I don't like this, so I'm just going to resist what God wants to do in me during this difficult time, and it actually makes everything a lot harder to deal with when we've, like, kind of rejected what God wants to do and just have said, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to stay angry and irritated that I have to do this, um, 
But like Jesus' response was, I don't like it, but your will be done, Father. Um, so, you know, when I accept my assignment, when I accept the assignment that God has given me, um, even if it's not what I don't want, you know, we go through things. We don't want it. But when there's like a wrestling and a coming to terms in our heart, okay, I accept the assignment. I don't like it. It's not pretty. It's not what I would ask. But I'm going to accept it. Not my will, but yours be done. We find a place where then like I suddenly have more energy or more life or more like purpose. And I can like suddenly start engaging with God in this. Um, so I'll give you a funny little silly example. I wasn't sure if I should do this because it really just exposes how like <laughs> everything to me is, is an affliction. So many of you know we got like two puppies and you know we talk about it every s other weekend it seems like but probably because it really is a big deal to me <laughs> at least. So we got these two puppies in December. I mean it's like six months ago but still have issues with them. So like my I felt like I'm in affliction I'm in agony I hate these dogs like they are ruining my life like they're peeing all over my floor I'm taking them out all the time and then they're getting better but then Pancho now is like the dog that like you get annoyed at when you go to your friend's house like oh my gosh you have that dog you know we have that dog like he barks at everybody so Thank you for those who have come over to our house and been like just very gracious, <laughs> you know, <laughs> grinned and bore it with, you know, kindness toward us. Um, but I, in my heart, I was like, I hate these dogs. And I'm like trying to think, how can we get rid of them without breaking Ian's heart? Like, I really was like out there, you know, holding their leashes while they're like, go potty, go potty, go potty. Like, how can I get rid of them? I really like don't like this. I don't like this assignment. I hate this assignment. And I kind of got to the place. I, you know how it is when you randomly read something you weren't planning to read and it was totally God like telling you something? I just kind of stumbled across something that I'd written down years ago. And it was like s basically accept your assignment. And I'm like, oh, I have not accepted my assignment with these dogs. And so I prayed. I had to pray and repent and ask God, like, okay, I accept my assignment help me, help me accept my assignment. And like, seriously, the next day I woke up with like, I can do this. I can train my dogs. I will be like a dog handler. <laughs> I have my little fanny pack with like treats and bags. I'm walking around the neighborhood with my fanny pack. Like I am a dog handler. <laughs> Those are my good days. My other days, I'm like, woe is me. I have an awful dog. But anyway, it was like a funny joke. Y you know, it's funny. It's true. It's real, but it's funny. But anyway, I accepted my assignment and I had more energy. And then, and then like all these friends started helping me, Amanda Sura, you know, and Alyssa Lee. They've been really great helping. So if you have a bad dog, ask them. They are really great at helping you. But anyway, I, you know, we have this in renewed vigor and energy when we engage with God and allow him, like, okay, what do you want to do in my heart? I'm not quite sure yet. You can probably tell me what God's doing <laughs> in my heart. But when we participate with God, suddenly there's, like, more life and more purpose.
Okay, so we talked about how the disciples responded to affliction, right? Sleepy with sorrow. Then how Jesus responded to affliction. My father, you know, going to him, not my will, your will be done. So let's go back to that eternal weight of glory promise in 2 Corinthians. So let's talk about, like, what is this thing that Jesus accomplished? What is that, you know, great thing, eternal weight of glory? Um, so... He suffered, and, but in that suffering, he accomplished so much. So let's talk about that. Through his death and resurrection, he conquered the fear of death. He set captives free, you and me. You know, we weren't around at the time. We were that unseen thing. But his death, he fought for us for what was unseen. He freed us from our slavery to sin and destructive ways of living and thinking. He purchased us, ransomed us, redeemed us from oppression. He made us holy, righteous children of God with an inheritance. Nothing like this had ever been done before, and no other relig religious system or God claims these things. So Jesus set a new course of life for you to love and give yourselves to others, for me to not abuse you but for each of us to honor each other and say, not my will, but yours be done. So, um, so what about your life and the affliction you're going through? Again, we all have different varying degrees going on now and you know, in 10 years and 20 years. We will all have our stories of affliction. Um, will you have an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison? And I believe you will. I believe I will, um, but we have to participate with God through this. Um, we have to participate with him in death and life, and we might not see it all. We definitely won't see it all. We won't see the unseen, but we're living for something that's unseen. We're living for something greater than ourselves, something that you know we don't know in 10 years, in five years, next year. You know, if we persevere, and you know, go through affliction, we don't know what will happen, what great things will happen. It's unseen, but there is like a weight of glory for each of us as we embrace what God wills through the different afflictions that we go through. And it won't look like how you imagine. I mean, I like imagined when I became a Christian, oh, a life of ease, and everything will go my way, you know, all these false things, and I've had to like deal with that lie. <laughs> over the years. But, you know, God using you, it will look different. It won't look like how you imagine, but there's something weighty and something glorious that Jesus wants to do in your life as you follow him and accept your assignment. Accept what God has given you to live through and where you're saying, not my will, but yours be done. And, you know, every day I have to choose this. Every day you have to choose this. And, you know, our prayer is let's not be a church that's sleepy with sorrow. You know, it's easy to do that. I, you know, I'll be doing fine, and then I read a headline. I'm suddenly like, oh, I'm sleepy with sorrow. So I think, you know, none of us have gone through this a pandemic. None of us have gone through what's going on right now, um, but Jesus has. Like, he's gone through, he's gone ahead of us. He's borne the weight of sin of our world, and he's big enough to handle it. And he's big enough to handle the affliction you're going through. Um, so may we pray while in our agony, my Father, not my will, but yours be done.
Jonathan's going to come up and lead us in communion together. Thank you.